Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. What's up, everybody? We are back. The Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, coming at you with episode number 74. My name is Brandon Olinger. Just call me Brando. Join with me, as always, is my boy, co-host, number one fan man, all-around ladies man, total badass, Ben The Law Watson. What up, what up, what up? Brando. What is up, Ben? You told me to call you Brando. Just call you Brando. Can I call you The Law? Uh, yeah, of course you can call me The Law. I am The Law. How you doing, bro? Actually, you know who The Law is. Apparently, The Law are... The referees that want to infiltrate and uh, decide matches. Well, that's why everybody buys tickets and travels to these things, to see the referees. Yeah, I, you know, I'm there to see the stripes. You know, what are they called? The zebras. The zebras. Let me yes. see the zebras toot their whistles and pull on their jock straps and all that shit. You know, my best, my favorite part about watching matches on TV is when the referee stands in front of the camera. Oh, that's And nice. I just got to stare at his ass. Yeah, let me, let me It's see. awful. <laughs> they got a nice ass, you know. I don't know. I might be okay with it. What's going on, my man? Oh, nothing. Just another great weekend of college wrestling, and we are back to talk about it. We had a nice little setup today up here in the in the in the Ben Watson uh, man cave. It's the law library. The law. Oh, the law wrestling <laughs> library. I love it. That's yeah, a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's the law library, baby. We had uh, three TVs, flat screens going, and a computer screen going as well for four matches. Heck, at one point we were watching Maryland versus Indiana. <laughs> because that's about all we got. By the way, I think that Indiana blanked a minus, or I shouldn't say blanked. I think Maryland only won one match against Indiana. Wow. Um, maybe we'll talk into that about that later. Probably not. But I, I, honestly, I it, that was I, just I a shock. Not. Honestly, that's probably one of the biggest shocks in the weekend to me. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, but we had a really nice setup today, huh? Yeah, a lot of good wrestling this weekend, man. Can't wait to talk about it. Um, as I said, the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number seventy-four. Go out there, find us on the social media sites. We got a Twitter. It's at the Inside Trip One. Follow us, talk to us. We love it. Find us on Facebook, the Inside Trip Facebook page. We got an email address if you want to contact us with a little bit of feedback, questions, comments, whatever else. If you want to, you know, death threats, all that good stuff. We like it all. It's the Inside Trip One at gmail.com. And for the podcast itself, you guys know where to find it Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the Podbean, and all those other delightful and your favorite podcatchers out there on the interweb and that's about yeah what were you gonna say no did that's you all t- we got to say hey, about that did you turn me down from the last time that we were doing this pod with earl i did all right thank yeah. god yeah I, I, <laughs> hey i want to thank i want to thank earl smith from uh, the open mat for coming on the podcast last week that was amazing um earl smith great friend of the pod we're a great friend of, of everything he does it was awesome that he got to come into town, him and his wife, um, and just, you know, spend time together, go to a match together. So, And for him to, you know, literally take two hours and 40 minutes out of his life to do a Lord of the Rings-style podcast w- was really neat. Um, so, again, big shout-out to, to Earl Smith. Love it. And actually, we possibly got a little road work or road trip in the works coming up here in the next few weeks. Road trip We're, like uh, like the movie with— uh, That's called Road Trip? Yeah, what's his name? Who's the creepy dude? I don't know. He was like way too old. He was on uh, 
My bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips. MTV guy. I don't even know what that is. I'm you sorry. know. Or you keep talking. I don't know what that is. You, 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 you really going to look this up? Yeah, you keep talking. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we got a possible road trip in the works here in the next couple of weeks to where we we may actually be heading uh, down south a bit, hooking up with our boy Earl again for uh, a big time ACC match. More was, to come on that Tom, in the future. It was Tom Green. Oh, Tom, Tom Green. Tom Green's yeah. in it. He's in the movie. <laughs> <Tom>. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. He was like, he was cool for like five minutes. Yeah, and in those five minutes, he did road trip. Did you say my bum is on your lips? Yeah, my bum is on your lips. I think that was like a song that he did. <laughs> now I remember Tom Green. Okay. This is the Tom Green show. It's not the Green Tom show. All right, can we stop? Yeah, just stop. <laughs> there were some good matches this weekend, buddy. But, yeah, I feel like there was some more of that uh, intro that we need to finish off here, right? Well, let me let me just finish it up with, uh, <laughs> so go out there, find the podcast, subscribe, download, listen, and uh, if you guys want to, give us a rate and a review. By the way, we got some great feedback lately. I want to thank everyone for hitting us up. Thanks for the reviews. Thanks for the rates. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the DMs, all that good stuff. We appreciate the feedback, positive and constructive. We get it all. So thank you very much. So. As we said, big weekend in college wrestling. A um, lot of great uh, matchups occurred this weekend. Um, there were some potential matchups that were supposed to occur that didn't. Um, I got to tell you, Ben, when it was all said and done, though, I'm sitting here f- feeling uh, things were a bit anticlimactic for me this weekend. Yeah, so so I, I like what you said there. So there was a lot of hype matchups, right? And the majority of them happened, which is great. So, you know, not all of them are going to happen every time. There's illness. There's injury, you know, there's other things that can come up that are going to cause a match not to happen that are not ducking or seed protection. Absolutely. So, so I actually think that we, you know, we ended up with a pretty damn good weekend of college wrestling. Um, You know, we didn't get to see Chenzo Wick, which would have been really nice. But other than that, you know, we got a lot of really, really, really good matchups and some pretty good duels that that, um, featured some good, featured multiple good matchups. So um, this is one of my favorite times of the year because... I love dual meets. You know, I love the tournaments, too, and I love the NCAA tournament. It's, it's great. But dual meets are fun because you can sit down and you can focus. I come home on Friday, and I to turn two matches on, and I got them going at the same time, and I can focus on two matches, not having to flip back to ten different mats like the Midlands or the Scuffle. Oh, you're absolutely right, and, and I agree with all of that. I guess, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this podcast right now on Sunday evening after we just watched um, a, a lot of duels that went on. And, I mean, let's face it, I've got – uh, right now, fresh on the mind, the most the most hyped individual match of the year, obviously Dayton Fix versus Nick Suriano. Talk about um, it. So I guess we can go ahead and just kind of start off on that. You know, props to Oklahoma State for making a trip out east. All right, they 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 went out east. They battled Princeton on Saturday, Rutgers on Sunday today. Um, and where Oklahoma State, you know, obviously is probably the better overall team um, over those two. There were some very good individual matchups that did take place. So props to them. But let's just talk. Let's get right into it, man. You wanted to start just talking Dayton Fix, Nick Suriano? Yeah, so this is a match that was extremely hyped up. You've got, uh, you know, two dudes. I think that they're ranked second and, yeah. So I'm just looking at Flo Wrestling. They're ranked second and sixth. Um, second for Suriano just because he's got, you know, the pedigree from last year versus Dayton Fix, uh, redshirt freshman, doesn't have um, the elite wins that have, that have vault him up the rankings, but everybody knows that he's a top, probably two, three guy, right? 
I mean, I'm, well, obviously now tonight he will, you know, he, he just showed that. So um, I think we've talked about that in the past when you're talking about tiers and weight classes. You know, at 133, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the top tier. You've got four guys in that tier right now. Right, depending I mean, on if Seth Gross is even going to wrestle. Great point there. But Gross, Fix, Suriano, and obviously uh, Michik from, uh, from right. Michigan. So yeah, I think that that's a really defined tier right there. So I think, I think great point. So everybody's been hyping it up. They wrestled once, I think, at who's number one, and that was that crazy um, 40-minute match where neither one of them got a takedown, I think, you know, in the regulation. They just continued to go and go and go and go, obviously. Um, a lot of people were speculating a very—they were right. You know, hey, give wrestling fans credit, especially on Twitter, the ones that I followed. Um, they were saying it was going to be a low-scoring match. Overtime was going to decide it. Now, were we going to guess that or not? We'll get to the eye poke that decided it. But we were right. Look, and this is what's going to happen when you have some high-level wrestlers that have really good defense. Okay, yes, there's going to be the high-level wrestlers that go out and the matchup just lights up and it's fire. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you're going to have two guys that are so positionally sound that know each other well enough that match up and the battle is in the position. Okay, a lot of battles were won that we probably didn't even see, won and lost, because of all of the hand fighting that happened. And we watched two dudes out there scrapping it for seven minutes before they even got into overtime, where, were they a little tentative? Yes. I thought Suriano was actually a little more tentative than I would have liked to have seen him. Dayton Fix fired off some half shots. Suriano didn't fire off as many. I thought Suriano was going to have a chance to maybe get in a little bit more. They were tentative, but they battled for the front of, or excuse me, for the middle of that mat for seven minutes. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, and those are the things I really enjoy watching. When you've got two world-class level athletes going at it, look, you, you're not going to see 10 shots in that match a lot of times. You, you might see each guy take one good committed shot. Right. You know, they're really picking their spots. Now, we didn't see that from these guys, but the hand fighting was amazing. The hand fighting and the position battle, the positioning battles was amazing in this match, not just on the feet. You had it on yes. the feet, but there was another, you know, there was a sequence that really stands out in my in my mind and it's when Suriano was under Dayton Fix for the first time yep. in regulation and he set out to his butt and that was some excellent hand fighting from the bottom right there trying not obviously not letting fix get those boots in controlling the wrist right. until he was able to get out and it's those types of things that you really have to stop and appreciate when you're watching these level of athletes wrestle yep because when i see dayton fix get two boots in so dayton fix if he gets two boots in he has an ability to flatten you out and ride you for a long period of time maybe not turn you but he's gonna ride you. right exactly right and and, the, and a lot of times it comes from a crab style position or a position to where he rolls you through and, and he throws his uh, his other boot in um, as they're kind of rolling. Suriano was cognizant enough to get to his butt and not roll around with fix to where one of those boots eventually falls in. He sat there. He hand fought from the bottom. Hell, fix hand fought well from the bottom, you know, from the from the top, too, of, of trying to keep him down. And also when fix went down, Suriano didn't have anything for him really on top. I mean, fix was able to get out. Um, pretty pretty easily as well. Um, Fix did a really good job getting to his feet, feet. from the bottom, and it, it, it wasn't really a tripod stand up, but it was kind of like a. Uh, I think it was like it's a hand control style stand up where you don't just shoot up right away to where you don't have any control and you get jumped back down to the mat. He stood up on his own pace when he felt like he had control to be able to cut away. Correct. Obviously, staying kind of bent over a little bit till right. he got wrist control. Yeah, so he did a really good job getting up to his feet right away, um, preventing Suriano from being able to break him down and put on any any type of ride on him. But you know what? When when you watch guys like this, and it goes back to it, like. 
it's it's the action within the action, I guess, if, you, if that even makes sense. Like, two guys right there that, these guys aren't guys that are going to circle out towards the edge of the mat. You never really saw that. They're not circling out to the edge of the mat, looking for, for, for you know, to stall or to, to be passive. They were fighting for the center of the mat. Right. They hand fought. They banged. They pushed each other around. The only thing we didn't see is full committed shots. And, and honestly, it's kind of to be expected sometimes when it comes to this level. Everybody thought that that was going to be it. So don't be surprised it happened. Right. Everybody thought that this match was going to be tight. They're both excellent defensively, right? I mean, how hard is it to take down Nick Soriano? We've, we've seen the best of the best have significant trouble doing it. And same with Dayton Fix. All right. So let's let's talk about the officiating in this match, okay? Because I think this is where a lot of people's beef is right now. Um, oh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about the officiating. There's, there was really three things that really probably from an officiating perspective that people are going to complain about. There are two locked hands instances that were reviewed, and then there is obviously the the decisive hands-to-the-face call at the end of the match. Now, let's keep in mind, the first locked hands was not a call. That was actually a challenge. Where, a missed locked hands um, is what Goodell was saying, right? Yes, that was actually potentially a missed call right there. So the ref did not call that. That's a challenge on Rutgers saying that there was a locked hands there. Um, so that's not the ref's not a fault right there. They're, they're gonna they got to stop the bricks thrown. They got to go back to review that. Takes a long time. They want to make sure they get it right. Okay, I get it. It sucks to see that long of a break in the action. Um, I'm sure both of the wrestlers don't want that long of a break in the action, well, especially because Suriano ended up getting out. Correct. Correct. So I, I thought that was a waste of a. Challenge. When it was all said and done, the refs got that call right. No locked hands. Yeah, it was okay. absolutely the right call. They, um, Sir Young got his escape. They went back. That, that was fine. But it takes a lot of time. Tons of time. Because I, they've got to go back and they've got to look at riding time. They've got to look at time on the clock. They've got to. That, and this is all after they make the determination that there wasn't locked hands. Right. So I, I, I'm, well, I guess what I'm getting at right there is no issue with the refereeing right there. Second call. Locked hands on Suriano when Dayton Fix was underneath. Ref called it locked hands. Dayton Fix had stood up and kind of. Stood up. Um, Serve from a seatbelt position. Exactly. Okay, when he stands up, Suriano can lock his hands right there. Fix his hand, went back down to the mat right after it touched the mat. Suriano broke, broke the grip right there. Ref called the locking hands. It was challenged. Um, it was overturned. And then it was overturned. And John Smith was none too happy about that. Um, I mean, I think that was the right call as well. Especially, I mean, I think it was the right call. And did they not call that after Fix got out? No. And then they had to put Fix back down, right? No, they didn't call him. Yeah. Well, uh, fix, fix had gotten out. He yeah. got out, but because— But they called locked the, hands. They called locked hands. And the, Fix got out. And Fix got out. The call was overturned. Right, so you have to so go back So there's no locked where, hands, so now Fix has to go back down again. Right, because Goodell challenged the locked hands. Correct. Yeah, and, and it got overturned, so Fix had to go back down, and he got out, though. Right? Did Goodell—oh, yeah, Fix got out. Did Goodell challenge twice in this match? Yeah, he had to. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I thought. Makes sense. Obviously, we've got a lot of wrestling on our minds right yeah, now. Yeah, and forgive me, I don't know, I can't remember the exact rules on challenges, but from my under, from what I remember, it's that Goodell challenged both of those. Okay. And, and we were thinking, hey, you lose your challenge if you don't, but something happened, and I, we know for a fact that there was two challenges for locking hands. Let's just go with that. Gotcha. All right. Let's get into the, uh, the final call. All right. The Man, I'm not even face. ready for that yet. The hands to the face. Man, i got to relive this. Oh. The so this is after the first rideouts, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is going into basically the second sudden victory right. on their feet. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, as much as it sucks, and here's what, this pains me to say it, um, 
It was the right call. When you uh, had three it was the right call. It's unfortunate. The rule sucks. The rule, it's just a bad no. rule. The rule is bad. No. But Ben, you saw it. It was a blatant hand to the face. It was in the eye. I mean, he covered up his nose and eyes. So obviously, it's got to be called. But I'm so angry at you right now for bringing this up. But you know what? I mean, I don't like it either. It I hate 100 hands to the face. I hate the fact that a referee's call on an illegal uh, a sequence right there decided the match. But it was the right call. It's a shitty rule, though. The rule shit. Here's the thing. You and I have zero, absolutely zero bias towards these two wrestlers. Neither one of them are on our fantasy teams. I just wanted to see a great match. Right. We don't root for either team. So when you say it's the right call, I mean, there's no bias. And I, and I agree with you. It was, dude, the dude poked him in the eye. And Suriano was, the problem was Suriano was close to that damn hands to the face call throughout the entire match. And the refs weren't going to make, make the call. The refs didn't make the call the entire match because they were like, dude, we're not going to decide on this. But that so one not gonna, was so blatant. But if you're not going to call it then, why call it in freaking double overtime? I didn't get to the see The second that. set of— Okay, I get what you're saying. I understand the point you're trying to make. I did not get to see the slow-mo replays of all those other type, all those other times. So I don't know if they were borderline or if they were as blatant as the one that was actually called to decide the match, which we did see the replay on. That was very blatant. Yeah, the point I'm making— Ultimately, is that it's a shit rule. I think everybody in, in the wrestling community thinks that, believes that, knows that, and something has to change. I think for a rule like that, because hands to the face can be, there can be intentional and unintentional right. instances, okay? And I would hate to see matches be decided off an unintentional hands to the face type situation. There needs to be some warning calls, at least a warning before that. That's my opinion. Oh, it's going to happen at NCAAs, bro. Can you imagine? No, look, it's going to happen. Can you imagine if an NCAA, if an NCAA finals match was decided off that like it was today? Oh, my God. Can you imagine the, the casual fans watching at the bar that saw that? And they're like, wait, why did they just stop? Oh, because he poked him in the eye, so he gets a point. No. Bottom line is this rule has always been in place. It's just now a point of emphasis this year. Okay? I, it wasn't, you know, okay, what I'd like to see is warning. Stop. Stop the match one time. I know we hate all these random stops, but this is worth it because you're going to get a point. Maybe not even stop the match. Just warn. Yeah. Just warn. Warning. Watch your hands. This is your warning. Happens again. Just like stalling. This is your warning. Happens again. It's a point. Hands to the face. Warning. Happens again. Point. That way, you know, you warn the opponent that what you're doing is not right. Soriano didn't realize. Okay. I shouldn't say Soriano didn't realize. Soriano was not aware that the ref was going to call a hands-to-the-face call like that because he had not called it the entire freaking match. And then he calls it in the second sudden victory to end this match, which is going to have significant effects on seeding. You know? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately it will. I mean, it is going to impact seeding. Um it's unfortunate. We're going to see these guys scrap again in the season. I really believe that. Who you that. taking? That's what, that was my next question. I thought Fix looked better. Um, I, I, I was, I took, we both took Siriano, and I thought Siriano was going to win it. Um, based on that match, I thought that Fix took a few more committed style attacks, looked a little bit more offensive, if you could say that, for this match. I'm actually going to take Fix, I think, next time. And not just because of this hands-in-the-face bullcrap. I think the fix could have a chance to ride him. Yeah, I was actually just sitting here thinking the same thing. Um, I think it's so hard to pick a guy 
in this type of match because I do believe they are so equally matched and such great competitors. But based on what we saw today, I, I agree with you. I think Fix showed us a little bit more, um, a little bit more aggressiveness. And I guess I still have in my head that Suriano really didn't show me anything from the top position that says that he can actually keep Fix down, ride him out to secure victory, let alone even turn him. So no, that ain't happening. But I do look. These guys can wrestle ten times. It's going to be a toss up every time. It's going to be a close match every time. That's a given. Oh, absolutely. All right. All right. So the other big matchup, really, there was one other big, real big matchup in, the, in this duel. Obviously, at 149 pounds, um, Ashnault taking on Caden Gefeller, G Feller. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I, I thought that was a great match. Very fun match to watch. What was the final score? That ten seven? I think it was ten seven. Yeah, with with a number of different. Um, I think there was actually a few lead changes. There was definitely some um, some offensive style exchanges. Um, I think Ashnault showed that <clears throat> he's the savvier veteran, right? That's, I was thinking the same yep. thing. Gefeller had remember that reversal he hit where he kind of just kind of like flipped over him. Yeah, high yeah. step cartwheeled him. Yeah, um, awesome. He got in on the leg right away. He finished a takedown or two. Um, he was able to. I wouldn't say put a ride on him, but he was able to ride a. He was able to ride, um, you know, okay. Um, Ashnault was able to ride, but he was able to get a whole way of Ashnault. I think that these guys were fairly evenly matched. I just think that what Ashnault has is the veteran savviness. Um, when he needed that takedown, he went to his patented ankle pick and got it. You know, that's the type of stuff that you see out of guys. Hey, let's not forget that Anthony Ashnault's a three-time All-American with a year left to wrestle. I think that he's a kind of a forgotten man at 149 sometimes um, by, by some of the country besides, you know, Jersey and East Coast. This guy is my pick to win the NCAA tournament right now. So, I, I really can't disagree with anything you said there. I will say from the Caden Gefeller perspective, look, Oklahoma State also battled Princeton yesterday. He had a tough weekend this weekend. He yeah, had, he, had he, to had go against, weekend. he had to go against number one Matt Kolodzik and number two, um, Anthony Ashnault this weekend. That is a tough weekend for anybody, let alone a first-year starter, um, even for someone as sa- as good as Caden Gefeller is. Now, yesterday when he wrestled Matt Kolodzik, to me, I thought Gefeller looked timid. He didn't really pull the trigger on many shots. Um, Kolodzik was able to take him three, uh, take him down three times. Uh, you know, once in each period, um, he was able to finish. Like he was able to ride him, wasn't he? He was able to finish without issues. Um, what was that? Looks like he was able to ride him too, wasn't he? Uh, I, I think it was. He more, won eight three. Uh, oh, two escapes. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it was more off of probably just the, the the writing time was accumulated based off of the three takedowns. If you get my my point. Okay, I got um, this one. You saw the match. I didn't. This one. But Gefeller in his match with Kolodzik, he, he looked timid to me. Um, he really didn't do much offensively. Uh, when Kaladzic got to his legs, I didn't see a whole ton of fight from Gefeller as you know, trying to defend off those takedowns. This match against Ashnault was completely different. I thought I saw a different Caden Gefeller today. Um, he battled hard. He was taking shots. He was aggressive, uh, sometimes a little too aggressive, which kind of got him in some trouble at times. Right. But that shows that even though Caden lost both of these matches this weekend, he's still up there in the mix to be a high placer in March, assuming he's still the starter for the Oklahoma State Cowboys, which at this point in time, he has not shown me anything that says he should not be the starter. Dude, sometimes you just got to wrestle the number one and number two ranked guys in the country in the same weekend, and you lose them both. I mean, that's just what happens. Look, Caden Gefeller is not the number one or two ranked guy in the country. You know, that, that, that's what's been shown this weekend. 
that's okay. There's still three, four, five. Hell, you could even be fifth if they told Ricky Bobby, you know. Um, but they also told Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. But then his dad later on was like, I was drunk when I said that, or I was high when I said that, <laughs> which is true. And that's me most of this podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but no, I, I think that G, man, he, that dude could scrap. I love that match with Anthony National. And that's what we were kind of getting to is, you know, fix Soriano. We knew it was going to be tight. I think we also knew that, that you know, Anthony National, he's not sloppy, but he's, he, he's willing to open up. And, you know, the way he opens up, because when you try to ride on top, sometimes you get put in bad positions. You're going to get reversed, you know, and it's kind of like, all right, he's going to reverse me, but I'm going to get out. And I'm going to take him down. I'm going to reverse him. At one point, I'm going to be able to get this turn. They went after it. They put up 17 points on the board. G fellas right there. Um, you know, I, got a little chippy at the end, too. Ashnault went cowboy guns, at, you know, when the match was over. G fella did not like that. Well, he get, didn't just go cowboy guns, brother. So, oh, he went cowboy for guns. For anybody listening, no, he went. He he held out his fingers like uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys do um, and pointed them right at Gefeller when they were like two feet away from each other and looked at him and said, boo-boo. Caden gave him a shove. Caden gave him a shove. And then Ashnall started talking, and then the refs got in the middle. Each team lost a point. I want to see these guys go again. Oh, me too. I Look, really do. What do you think about that, the shove? I mean, at some point, it's like there's, there's two schools of thought. One, you just lost, so take your medicine. You know, and, and walk away. And two, hey, you lost, but you don't need those guns in your face. So, you know, step up and say, look, you might have beat me in wrestling. Well, I mean, you might have beat me this time. But, you know, I'm not going to back down. And next time we see each other, let's do it. Let's do it in the quarters. Is what He's saying let's do it in the quarters of the NCAA tournament. Man, that's – what do I think of those guns? Jeez. <laughs> I guess – What do you think? On one hand, if I'm G Feller, I'm like, damn it, I just got beat. I'm going to shake his hand. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to walk back to my bench, and I'm going to get back to work. He would have looked right. better doing that. Okay, he would have looked better. Now, Was that what if I would have w- done? What I'm curious to know, though, is both guys were hit for a team point violation in this. If G. Feller had not have shoved Ashnault, would the refs really have called Ashnault for, uh, for like some sort of taunting team point for doing the guns? No. Probably not. It, it wasn't. I don't think they called him for the guns. I think they called him for afterwards. Ashnault was like kind of going after him. And yelling at him. Yeah, but that's after G. Vela shoved him. It's so funny. Like I'm over here acting all mature. Like I would have just walked. No, you would have. You would have. You you would have open palm smacked him. Is what you would have done. I got yelled at by the opposing coach's wife at a high school duel meet this week. You did. So um, so let's let's act like what I would have done. I, I don't really know what my thoughts are. Just you know what you lost, man. Just turn around and go back to the bench. But at the same time. G. Feller's a guy born and raised in Oklahoma, dreams of going to Oklahoma State his entire life. He is a cowboy at heart as much as anybody can possibly be. And when you're doing the cowboy guns to him in his face, eh, he's like, you know what? That rubs me the wrong way. You know what? Don't get beat. <laughs> no, you know what, though? I, and even a person that's like, you know, I'd be mature and walk away. Like, I get it. Like, he chugged him. I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at him. I ain't mad at him. It brought a little more excitement than the uh, Fix Seriano match did, so I like it. <laughs> you know, uh, and you said G, uh, 
you know, for the weekend. Jr. also wrestled Kalodzic 8-3. There was actually another really good match in that Oklahoma State-Princeton match that I thought that, you know, would be worthwhile talking about. And that's uh, Nikki Piccinini, um beating Patrick Glory 9-4. to Yeah, that? yeah. I really, yeah, I was going to, great, great, great segue. Wanted to roll into the Princeton match anyway because um, I thought Kalodzic had, had a phenomenal weekend himself going against two top uh, two top six, six guys in um, O'Connor from North Carolina. Oh, yeah, um, and yeah, we'll also, talk about that next. Yeah, then also um, uh, G. Feller as well. But, yeah, so Piccinini and, and Glory. Man, that, basically, 9-4 to four is the final score. Glory scores the only two takedowns. Great takedowns, by the way. He's, he's Glory is super savvy, and he's going to be amazing. Um, he can be real good, dude. But Piccinini got on top, and he just big brothered him. He absolutely big brothered him. He scored, I think, what six points? I, I think six points just from being on top. A and, four and um, a two. Uh, yeah, I believe so. And that just kind of blew the match open right there. Plus, he got some escapes. Obviously, ride time ultimately wins nine to four. Let me ask you this question: You think Nick Piccinini's jumped a level this year? He's gonna be. I think he's a junior. Is he a junior? Yeah, he's a junior. All American does a freshman. I think he took like yeah. fifth. Everybody fifth. talks about levels jump from freshman to sophomore year, which happens. But I, I'm starting to see a lot of levels from sophomore to junior year for some reason. Because that's that's when you start to wrestle. That's when you're an upperclassman, and you're gonna catch some other guys that aren't quite upperclassmen. Like a Patrick Glory, who's a freshman. Um, I think Nicky Piccinini's jumped some levels this year. I could see, I could see Nick Piccinini. He's a finalist contender. I could see him going against a, a, a Rivera or even a Lee now. So, let me just play devil's advocate on that thought. And I'm not saying that you're incorrect. I'm not, I'm not saying Piccinini has not jumped levels. Has he jumped levels, or is it? The fact that 125 is down this year, consider you know compared to other years, 125 is always seems to be one of the most stacked and deep weight classes. This year it seems a little bit down. So could that have something to do with it? Now I will say this, and we talked about this earlier when we're talking about 125 and we're talking about tiers. I think you've got that top tier with Spencer Lee and Sebastian Rivera. I'm not sure if it's you know 1A and 1B equal or. If we would still put Spencer Lee on maybe just a little bit of a tier on his own, but Rivera's greatly closed that gap, obviously, because he won yeah, that last match. Yeah, I think I'm 1A, 1B. Okay. Um, and then to me, there's the second tier. And the second tier is where it gets really interesting, and that's Ronnie Bresser, Jack Mueller, and Nick Piccinini. That's the second tier right there. And I think those three guys, on any given day, because they're all different they're all like good in their own different ways on any given day if they catch fire they could wreck that bracket and make some noise and be and make the finals so call me a fantasy homer here but after that match russell wrestled against lee i'm i'd like to see him against the breaster piccinini and mueller too i would too yeah so i still don't put him on their level just yet right just yet now there's eight all americans returning at 125 um including zeke you know zeke moise or excuse me including ryan milhoff which Uh we haven't seen in a while but you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't feel a little down this year compared. I mean, you lose a guy like, well, you lose a NATO, you lose a Gilman and a Cruz, kind of the year before type stuff, and you know it looks like it's down a little bit. But then you realize that Sebastian Rivera is like he's filling in that spot really nicely. Sebastian Rivera is quickly becoming one of my favorite guys to watch. I look, love watching him, and <laughs> he just pins Zeke Moisey. <laughs> Exactly, and I know we touched base on this before, but we went into this th- season thinking, hey, 125 was locked up. There is a can't-miss, can't-be-beat guy in this weight class. This weight class, everybody's competing for second through eight, and now Sebastian Rivera's kind of thrown that monkey wrench that, that monkey wrench into that thought and made this weight class interesting. On top of that, 
We see Mueller, who was in red shirt, who got pulled a couple of weeks ago, come in, and he's done nothing but just wreck everybody he's wrestled. Bonus point victories across the board. I think he just picked up three tech falls in three matches at the junior or at the Virginia duels. Well, hey, what I do mean, we say about top? It's the great. It's equalizer. a game changer, man. Yeah, game changer. And you know, we can't forget about Ronnie Bressler, one of the only one of the only guys that beat Spencer Lee in college, like like legit win. I like mean, it wasn't of the two guys that's beat. Yeah. Sp- or, mm-hmm. yeah, two guys that's beat Spencer Lee in college. He's one oh, of them. three. Tomasello. Tom, yeah. Oh, that's right. Don't yeah. forget about our boy Tomasello. Um. So I guess you know, one actually, you know what? Let's just roll into it. You saw the Spencer Lee interview after he beat. Um, so he he did beat Sean Russell four uh, zero. Russell is, didn't go yeah. down on him. And this is at last after after uh, Lee beat him fifteen to nothing last year. Yeah, attacked him. And he said, you know, we all go through stuff and this and that. He never he didn't point out himself specifically, but at the same but at the same time he kind of mentioned. He mentioned something to the point where you would think that, hey, he's he's struggling with something right now, whether it be coming back from that illness that he had, whether it be some sort of room or mental block that he's got going on. Something's happening to to, to make it to where he's not wrestling as good as he was, or he's not as dominant as he was last year. What do you make of the comments he, he said? I thought that they were, I thought it was fine what he said. He didn't necessarily say anything about himself, but he was just like, look, you know, we all we all struggle in, in the Big Ten and in college wrestling. He's 100% correct. He didn't stand there and say, hey, listen, I've been sick lately, or hey, my knee's been bothering me lately, and I haven't been wrestling well. He's 100% correct. Look, Division One wrestlers, they all go through periods that they struggle with. Maybe it's the grind, maybe it's the mental grind, maybe it's the physical grind, whatever it is. He's in what we would call a bit of a slump for him right now. And, and that slump means <laughs> he lost to the, the, the then number two guy in the country in the finals at Midlands, and he just beat a ranked guy All-American four to nothing right. in, in a tough dual match against a, a big rival for them. Right. So point. maybe that's, that's a slump for him. Whatever it is. We're not seeing the Spencer Lee right now that we saw last year or that we thought we were going to see all year this year. But this young man is mature beyond his years. He's a world-class competitor. He understands it. He recognizes it. And I guarantee you they're going to have it fixed come March. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. There's something going on, but I would be shocked if within the next couple weeks he's not rolling. He's not rolling. Um, if he's not, well, shit, then this weight class is up for grabs. And, and it probably we, – look, we're going to think this Northwestern and Iowa duel. And you got to believe they're going to see each other because they're going to have to see each other in the Big Ten. So there would be – okay, I could see a one – if Northwestern didn't wrestle, you know, if, if, they, if they weren't in the same conference, I could see Rivera saying, hey, I wrestled him. I got my win. I'm going to go into the NCAAs as the number one, which I don't know what that's going to give you right now because the four is probably going to be one of those top guys anyways. Um, but I think they're going to wrestle in the duel. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. And, and here's the other thing, too. As former wrestlers, former coaches, you don't want your guys peaking mid-January. You want your guys peaking at the end of the season when it matters. And I think that's what's happening right now with guys like, like Spencer Lee. He's not peaking. They're grinding. They're working hard. And they're going to go through that peaking process that I'm sure these top-level college coaches that run these programs know how to do and how to do with their guys. They'll have him ready. Right. And the peaking process isn't the same for everybody. It's not. You know? It's so not at all. Because DeSanto looked great and Lee didn't look great doesn't mean that, you know, oh, well, the peaking isn't working for one person, but it's working for the other. Peaking processes are different. Everybody in college is individually different. It's a lot different than high school wrestling, and, and, and I'm not coming at it from even a Big Ten room, but from a room where, you know, my coach would give certain guys, guys a day off at times because they, would, they knew they would need it. 
Because look, everybody's different. Everybody, it's way more individualized than college wrestling. Because you got your show horses, you got your work horses. Your show horses, what they need is what they're going to get. You know, Spencer Lee's a show horse, and if he needs a little bit of time off, or he needs this, or he needs that, then he's going to get that. So I, I guarantee he's going to be ready. Um, and I know we kind of just went off on a tangent there, but you know, kind of. No, I like it. I like it. You know, but while we're talking about Minnesota and Iowa, let's, there was a lot of good matches in this duel. Um, one thirty-three, another great match this weekend. Austin DeSanto taking on two-time All-American, up a weight class this year. Ethan Lee, Zach um, DeSanto worked him, worked him. I think he won what six to one. Well, not only did he work him, but he rode him. I mean, th- yeah, he he did. Like I, DeSanto, he looked like the backpack so much so that uh, um, what's his name, Jim Gibbons? <laughs> I don't, even, the announcer even, was even, like, they called DeSanto the backpack because of backpack because of his high pace. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I think he. He messed that one up. And look, he's normally an excellent announcer. Trust me. In in the world of really bad announcing that we get for some of the students. A legal fist to the back. Right. And God bless those students for even doing this. Like, I I don't mind because I'm like, you know what? It's better than listening to the whistle, you know, in the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Especially like Indiana versus Ohio State when the crowd was like seven people. You know, look, I'll, I'll take whatever you give me. But. Gibbons messed. I think it was Gibbons. You don't even hear the whistle. You just hear hot dogs. Get your hot dogs. dogs. But yeah, they called him. Uh. They called him the backpack. DeSanto looked amazing he looked on his great. feet. He um he got sc- to that carry. Yeah, he scrambled. Yep, he scrambled with Lee Zach whenever he needed to. Um, in fact, he outscrambled him for a, for a takedown once, and his pace looked excellent. Um, and he grinded him on top. He he just went surfboard on top. You know, kind of straightened out that arm of Lee Zach, kind of head levered it at times, and had him flat on the mat. Lee Zach got Lee Zach had his chance to get on top. He had no chance to turn to turn DeSanto. And hey. Here's the thing. I picked Lezak to win that match. I thought Lezak was going to get some turns. I thought so, too. Now, listen. On one hand, I want to say there's part of me on one hand that's like, oh, man, it's time to get you know worried about Lezak. On the other hand, I look at the losses that he's had this year. He's already got four losses, but he's lost to Pletcher, Dayton Fix, and uh, Philippi, and now DeSanto. I don't think he has any. He's obviously got no bad losses this year. Um I'm just curious about how this move up a weight class is impacting the strongest part in his game, which is the top position, because at 125, we saw him be able to ride the majority of guys he wrestled, even turn them. We also saw him be able to do things on his feet, like kind of take those dive single leg shots and scramble into some takedowns. I think Suck those legs in. Exactly, and I think right now up a weight class – I'm wondering if the size difference of the guys he's wrestling now is negating some of what his strengths are. Yeah, I mean, I said this at, after Cliff Keen. I said that he was much longer and strong or just as strong, if not stronger, than the guys he was wrestling. He, like I said, his, his top game is all pulling. It's pulling guys almost across his back, you know. And when you're a lot longer than a guy, it's easier to do because you stretch him out. Against longer guys like a Philippi, you know, who's, you know, pretty much who's really good on top as well. Um, and I'm saying Philippi because Lezak lost to Philippi at um, Cliff Keen. Um, you're going to have struggles. And he's not gotten his top game going um, at all against the elite level guys this year. At all. And when he doesn't get his top game going, he's going to have trouble with a guy like Austin DeSano, who's not only got a great pace, who's really strong for the weight class, but who's also extremely, um, his best position is probably neutral. I mean, it is neutral. I think it's also worth pointing out that Lezak has not beaten an Iowa opponent in the start, like a starting Iowa opponent, um, the last three, you know, the, his last couple years. Um, 
in varsity action. Now, I will say as well, look, last year, Lezak had four losses going into the Big Tens. He had a couple of head scratchers. I think he lost a match to Drew Matten, lost a match to Taylor Lamont to go along with losses to, uh, I believe it was Nathan Tomasello um, and uh, uh, who was the other one? Spencer Matt. Lee. Spencer Drew, Lee. Oh, you yeah, said Matt. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I said Matt. And he lost to Spencer Lee and Nathan Tomasello. But aside from that, he also lost to um, Drew Matten and Taylor Lamont as well from Utah Valley. So this is a guy who's accustomed to getting some lo- you know, taking a few losses during the season, maybe even a head scratcher here and there. I'm not sure if he has really any head scratchers this year. Um, and then he goes and makes the finals or takes fourth. And then he's done the nothing NCAA. but place top four in two years. Are you... Would you bet against him to be on the podium this year at 133? Oh, absolutely not. He's well. This weight class is getting deep. 33 is deep, but I I feel like at NCAA's, look, I it's hard to bet against the dude who's been a finalist, who God he should have taken top against Cruz. What an idiot! <laughs> and um, um, uh, you know, took fourth then in a really it was a tough weight class last year. That was a brutal weight class last year. So, no, this dude's gonna make the podium. Would be my guess. I thought that there were some other good matches um, in Iowa-Minnesota. One of them— The first five matches were freaking yeah. great. I, I shouldn't say good. I, actually, this match sucked because it uh, sucked for Tommy Thorne. What the hell happened to Tommy Thorne? He got beat 14-0 to by Pat Lugo, who, for all intents and purposes, is is not having the best year. No, I think what Lugo's—he's got, what, five or six losses on the year already? Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly. But I, yeah, I'm almost positive be. he does. So, my thoughts on Tommy Thorne are this, and I mean no disrespect to anyone. Tommy Thorne looks like a guy who says, "I think I've had about all I've ha- I can handle of college wrestling." Yeah, honestly, you and know what? I take his career over mine. So, not to, no, and I'm I'm not. No, I, it's no, not I an insult. This is a guy that made the podium. That's beaten Joey McKenna twice. Okay, oh, man. Joey McKenna, one of the best wrestlers in the country right now at that weight class. He's beaten him twice the last couple of years, um, but he just he he looks uninspired, uninspired, unenthused, and he just he looks like a guy that says I've had enough of the grind. That's my my outside, you know, fifty thousand foot perspective. Who, yeah, who knows? We are not in the wrestlers' heads mentally. We don't live with them day by day. All I can do is speculate based off of past experience of myself and other wrestlers that I've talked to. He looks like his, his, he's ready to hang his shoes up. And, and you know, and the reason why I say that is because Pat Lugo, like I said, we said, is having a, a pretty, you know, a pretty pedestrian year by what most people would say compared to what they thought he was going to do. We thought this match was going to be like a high-scoring, high-flyer, exciting match. Well, it was one of those things. It was high scoring, but only on one per, one side. Fourteen to zero over Tommy Thorne. I would not predict that one bit. Um, and, and it's too bad because Tommy Thorne was fun to watch when he's really on his game. I agree. Um, at one forty one, I thought Mitch McKee looked pretty good against Mac, Max Muir, and obviously a uh, five to three win for him there. Yeah, he grinded it out, and he really um, he did a lot of things that uh, um, you know you you need to do at the NCAA tournament to win matches. Ride when you need to. Get a takedown when you need to, and win those low sc- low scoring matches. Though that's the type of win that you know you could see in maybe the round of sixteen or the Concy, uh, you know Concy round of sixteen, and uh, to maybe put you into that blood round. And uh, Mitch McKee, you know he was able to grind that match out against a really formidable Max Murin. What about your boy Caleb Young though, hitting that headlock? That wasn't a headlock. Caleb it was a headlock off of him falling Caleb backwards. Caleb L- Young basically turned a Steve Bleese. Or Blyce body lock into him just going straight nastiness on him. I mean, it was he threw a headlock on him as he was going to his back. 
Was that a headlock? Yeah. As he was going to his back, he threw a headlock. You need to watch this video. All right, watch it. I recorded it. You got to watch this. Look, look, look at this. Watch it right now. He comes big righty. He comes right. All right, hold on. We're going to watch this. We're going to watch this right now. He comes righty arm to a headlock. Boom. I don't call that a headlock. That's a lat drop. No, he finishes in the headlock. Look how he finishes. Well, he finishes in the headlock, but that's a lat drop. It was a headlock. Wow, man. We're going to agree to disagree on that. But look. Hey, shout out if you think it's a headlock or a lat drop because I'm pretty sure you're going to lose this debate. I love you, though. Did he fi- did he end up in a headlock position on the mat? Yes. He did he headlock. did he hit him with a headlock? I think it's a lad drop. No, he threw a headlock as he was going to his back. I hate, anyway, you. I hate you. I don't know why we're arguing. To answer your question, sweet. it was dirty. It was nasty. I think Caleb Young is wrestling so well this year. He's wrestling he's, real now well. that he's at a weight class at an optimal weight class for him. He's looking good. He's, he's beating ranked, ranked opponents ranked six. Yeah, of top. He's yeah. ranked top six. Hey, I'm yeah. supremely impressed with uh, Caleb Young compared to what I thought he was going to do. I mean, he just he, did, he just beat a round of twelve guy who is ranked in the top ten right now, seven to one in a rival duel. That's a big win. Absolutely, we we knew he was good. He was wrestling one seventy four last year. You know, you put him in a weight class, not. And I think that more than just putting him at the right weight, let's remember the dude was a freshman last year, right? Yeah, like redshirt freshman. Yeah, or so. It takes some time, guys. It takes some time for some guys. He, what I think he's doing is clicking, right? He's clicking now. He's starting to feel it. He's starting to, you know, how you talk about in football um, when when you have these fresh guys get into the NFL and they're like, all right, the game's starting to finally slow down for me. I think that it's starting to finally slow down for uh, Caleb Young, and he's like, you know what? It's slowing down for me. So as I go to my back here, I'm gonna hit this headlock. It looked nasty. It, it did. Um, so yeah, a, a great win for him. Iowa ultimately wins the door, duel twenty four to ten. Um, I was disappointed we didn't get, get to see Stam the knee soul stole take on uh, Dable Stevenson huh? the knee Stam stole Stam stole the knee. knee. <laughs> what, what did you expect? Stam stole wrestled one match this year, and I think it was because they needed it to win a dual meet against Iowa State. No, he wrestled at the Midlands too for like a match or two. Exactly. No, Stam stole. He ain't going out Dable Stevenson would have. Fucked him up. You think so? Oh God, it would have been ugly. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I was. I think I was disappointed we didn't get to see it. You, you think that that Stoll has a chance against Stevens? Stevenson? Excuse me. <laughs> Not at all. No. <laughs> he Stevenson. shot himself. I don't think he's gonna. <laughs> No, no, Vince Turk shot him. Okay. No, <laughs> not at all. I don't know what's going on with this shit. Um, no, I don't. But anyway, I was disappointed we didn't get to see the match. Let me let me let me back up. Allegedly, based off of things I read, Vince Turk shot him. <laughs> I don't want to like get sued for some random shit. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh, there were so many. There were so many good, other good matches. Though, but tip weekend. of the hat to Connor Corbin, who goes out there and wrestles Stevenson, and only, only loses by major. Dude, I, I can tell you one thing right now: Stevenson would have majored me in the first minute. In my major, he would have gave me some major pain, and I would have quit. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on, man. Anything else from this duel? Not really. Nah. We we touched on Russell. Russell, I, I thought Russell looked tough. Granted, I'm a fantasy team guy, so. Um, you know, you want to get into some of these other tough matches? We really didn't talk about Kalonzik O'Connor. Um, and I, I know we don't got to go back to it, but uh, as you're kind of searching for some other matches, O'Connor's a guy that I really think that he's a freshman, um, is going to be one of the next dominant wrestlers at that weight class. Yeah, I, well, I think he's got two losses on the year, right? Kalonzik and Micah Jordan. Kalonzik and Mickey, right? Yeah. He's one of those guys that, you know. And he scores points. Right. He loses to some really, really good upperclassmen. But he's beaten a lot of other really good guys, and maybe he takes a fourth or a fifth, sixth now, this year, and then all of a sudden you see him as a two-time champ. A match I would love to see 
is O'Connor and Gefeller. Oh, I would yeah. love to see That'd that be match great. because those are two guys that just get after it, sometimes with reckless abandon, and I think it would be an extremely entertaining match to watch. But I agree with you. O'Connor, I think he's a guy that doesn't get a lot of attention from the casual college wrestling fans because they're focused on the Ashnaults, Kaladzics, Micah Jordans, those type of guys. And they need to know who this guy is because the way he's wrestling would indicate that he's going to be standing on that podium someplace and it could be high. In oh, March. yeah. He battled Micah and he battled Kaladz. You know, I'll tell you what a match uh, a match that I was really excited to watch that uh, uh, ended up being a little strange, and uh, I think it's I think it's worth talking to because this is your boy right here, Nolf Deacon. I was actually just thinking about that. I was actually just thinking the same thing. Jason Nolf, that may have been his most impressive win the last couple of years. In and my he opinion. got ridden the whole third period. And I don't know if he got ridden or if he just said, I'm going to take, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and rest <laughs> down here. I got a match on Sunday, so I'm going to take a look, take it easy this third period. Deacon wrote him out for the loss. I love the write outs for the losses. <laughs> and he can give up two stall calls and a lock in hands while he was doing it. Um, Deacon did? Yeah. Guy for stalling twice <laughs> on top. Locked in. He wrote him out, though. <laughs> he said, come hell or high water, you're, you're going to end this match right. on, the, on the mat. That was a win for him. No, I've got, I think, five takedowns in the first period. Or no, in, in the first two minutes or something like that. It was it was beautiful. It was an absolute destruction. I cannot believe it. I thought that this, look, we knew Nolf was going to win, right? We can, we can sit here and say that, 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 that there was no way we're picking anybody but Nolf. I agree with that. Now, granted, the North, another Northwestern guy upset at one of the guys that we didn't believe that anybody could beat. That was very, very elite. But we said that, look, nobody's beaten Nolf. Deacon, you know, I'm thinking maybe 8-3, maybe. Not 19-7. Not, not as many takedowns as he got. It was almost – and he scored from so – I did not. Ex- I, I was not surprised that it was a major decision. I can expect a major decision in that hmm. situation, but not in that fashion. He that first period was probably one of the most dominant periods I've seen in a long time against two top three ranked guys two in the country. Level guys, yeah. I mean, this is the number one guy in the country against the number two slash number three guy in the country, and Nolf just he made him look far far inferior. So Nolf has got you know remember that match last year when he had a really close one with Alex Pantaleo and he said Nolf is it's Alec Alec Pantaleo sorry Alec Pantaleo I get I say Alex all the time Alec Pantaleo and he had a tight one now granted this was a busted up knee against Hidley shouldn't say tight but six two you know in the finals yeah so I'm right. thinking okay Nolf is he's bound to not bonus everybody he took him down with, and he. He, not only does he make stuff up, which he didn't quite do here, but his technique is he knows he has way too many moves. He's one of those guys that, like, it, how does he even drill in the wrestling room? Because he's like, okay, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to drill my ankle pick to this side. And the next 10 minutes, I'm going to drill my ankle pick to the other side. And the next 10 minutes, I'm going to drill my single leg. Then I'm going to drill my double. And I'm going to drill my – he's got so many takedowns. He doesn't even have a go-to takedown, I don't think, because all of them are his go-to takedowns. I just think his feel for wrestling on his feet is so exponentially higher than almost anybody else in college wrestling right now. I mean, we said last year that we believed that him and Zane Rutherford were the best folk style wrestlers in the country, because um, we, you know, we didn't. We, Kyle Snyder was on a different level from from a different type of wrestling, but his feel on his feet and his ability to score from any direction 
and any pressure that this opponent's given him is insane. Ryan Deacon, these weren't these weren't contested takedowns. These weren't even like he got in and he really had to work for it. These were he got in. He was kicking them. He was feeling it. Jason Knopf is special. So we've kind of seen some things on social media recently talking about who's the better wrestler on that team. Is it Bo Nickel or is it Jason Nolf? I really want to get your opinion on that. I think it's probably Nolf, but man, it's that's a that's a great question. That's that's a great question. Um I don't think Nolf puts himself in as bad of positions as Nickel does sometimes. But Nickel puts himself in bad positions, but but unless you are extremely lucky, which typically which has been shown you're not really um you're not going to capitalize against Nickel. Uh Nickel's been pinning everybody. Uh no. I mean, Nolf just beat the freaking number three ranked guy in the country who was just number two before he lost a went to Burger nineteen to seven and it was a destruction. I mean it was a dismantling. I've gotta go Nolf. What about you? I think it's a tough question to answer. I think when you look at the two of them, I think Jason Nolf has two losses in his career, both to Isaiah Martinez. I would probably consider Isaiah Martinez to be his biggest rivalry in his collegiate career I think they were what I think Imar was two and one against him Um, I think Bo Nickel had the uh, I'm going to call it the from from, from a fan's perspective the the fortune of having someone like Miles Martin to create this rivalry where yes Bo Nickel kind of you know he did he dominated he he dominated the rivalry but Mymar was able to beat him you know Big Ten finals and then also in the NCAA finals as a freshman so it, it and then obviously there was the whole thing last year at the NCAA finals, you know, for the team race and all that kind of stuff. Um, here's a guy where they're both going to finish. They they should both finish as three-time champs. Um, Nickel's going to do it at multiple weight classes. One of the things that I can't – I think Nickel probably has the worst losses. I think he lost uh, one to um, Nate Jackson Nate from Jackson Indiana. Back in the day, yeah. yeah. And then he's also lost to Mymar. Those are the only guys he's lost to, right? And, right. Are we missing it. anybody? Um, um, I cannot think anybody else. I don't think we're missing anybody else. Um, but I can't get Bo Nickel defeating Gabe Dean in the NCAA Finals out of my head. Gabe Dean, who we thought was unbeatable that year. I, Jeez, oh, um, you know, and I, I think... That's probably the best win out of all of them. Except for, Nol- you know, Nolf beating Imar, but yeah. He, yeah, he beat Imar in that duel. I don't know how to... I don't know if I can answer this question. I think they're both so amazing in their own right. And it's crazy. They scored, yeah, they score a ton of they bonus. They score a ton of bo- bonus points. And yeah. ton of people. Uh, when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, I think more people are going to remember Jason Nolf. Um... And that's unfortunate because I think Bo Nickel has been one of the most dominant wrestlers that I've seen ever. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I, 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 I think that it's unfair to even have to pick one, right? I, I think, think it's unfair, unfair that they're both have... on the same team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them needs to be on Ohio State's team. You know, uh, speaking of that, though, there was also some Penn State, uh, you know, they, they didn't get out of the weekend unscathed. I know they wrestled Northwestern and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, Bono had his Wisconsin boys ready to battle this weekend, though. Yeah, I mean, look, 
Wisconsin is an up and coming team. They they were you know bottom half of the Big Ten. I would be my guess last year. Um, you know, or close to it. And uh, Bono's really done a nice job. Uh, you know, Tristan Moran beating Nick Lee in a wild 12-10 uh, sudden victory two match. That was probably the best match of the week, to be honest with you. If it, it, just in terms of watching wrestling, we had that on at the same time as we were watching kind of like a bunch of other matches. And every time we looked over, because this was going on while the Fix Suriano match was going on, because Fix Suriano match took thirty some odd minutes to, to, to happen. Um, you know. Tris Moran and Nick Lee, they were rolling across each other's backs. They were both reversing each other. Um, big win. I'm shocked, to be honest with you, that Nick Lee lost to a guy like Tristan Moran. No disrespect to Tristan Moran, but I just thought that Nick Lee was on a different level. I, I don't disagree at all. That's a huge win. That is a huge win for a guy like Tristan Moran, who started out at Oklahoma State, transfers to Wisconsin. He's starting at 141 this year. He's had up and down results, okay? Right. You know, uh, one week it's a good week. Next week he, he it's a head-scratching loss. I mean, very inconsistent. Well, he's never started before for a team. And then he goes into one of, if not the most hostile environments there is in college wrestling, takes on a top-four-ranked guy in Nick Lee who is a returning All-American in rec hall and beats him. That's a huge win. Huge. And Nick Lee was having a great year. Nick Lee was dominating everybody. And the match was exciting. I mean, oh, the man. match was amazing. You had reversal, everything. reversal, You had turn. bad points, takedowns, reversal, scramble situations. It was an amazing match. Tip I'm going to watch cap. that again tonight. Tip of the cap to Tristan Moran. Big win. And then right Tristan after Moran. that, Cole Martin. Cole Martin goes out and beats yeah. Brady Berge. Yeah, Brady Berge, one of their all-star freshmen. Um, he's probably not had quite the year that a lot of Penn State fans would love. He's not been bad, but, you know, he... Uh, he lost at the scuffle to Fine Silver, um, you know, and then he goes out and he loses to Cole Martin, eight to seven, and um, both of those. Are, I mean, Cole Martin, you know, Fine Silver is. I think that he's probably going to be a podium guy, um, and Cole Martin, who, you know, he, he's he, he's been there, he's done that. I would probably have picked Bergie to win that match, just to be honest with you, but maybe that's because I just think the Penn State wins everything. But Cole Martin was able to hang on and win that match, um, and a lot of it was just battling, battling. Both of those matches were just battling and not giving up in the face of a hostile crowd, in face of, you know, the ref. And the refs could be biased, not because they are biased. What I'm saying is a crowd can get a ref to, you know, think something's happening that's not, you know, just because you got such a hostile crowd. So the ability to battle that stuff, good job for Bono, good job for uh, Tristan Moran and Cole Martin as well. Yeah, that's I think I think the, the key thing that you said there was um, Tristan Moran never stopped fighting in any position in that match, never gave up, and ultimately it worked out well for him. So again, I think it's a huge win. Um, and also, I, I will just say I, I do I don't consider Bergy losing to Fine Silver a bad loss for Bergy. I think that's uh, no, I, I think Fine loss. Silver is a is a grizzled veteran who I fully anticipate to be on the podium in March. Right, not a bad loss at all. Yeah, I, I didn't say bad loss so much as I meant like I think that. Probably Penn State fans were expecting Bergie to to win those types of matches um, and be like a top four, top five guy. Um, I, I I don't see that this year for for, for them. Um, you but, know, oh go ahead. No, I was just gonna say another match that uh, didn't happen was uh, Chenzo Wick. Man, it's a bummer. It was a bummer. That's one that I really really wanted to see. Uh, two of the top ranked guys at one sixty five, totally polar opposite styles. Oh, I know, I know. Um, Chenzo ducked him. No, he did not. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding with you, man. Chenzo didn't wrestle against Northwestern. Um, I have no insight into what's happening, but let me tell you right now, Vincenzo Joseph didn't duck Evan Wick. Um, it, he may be sick, like what we like we talked about with other stuff. P- 
People could be sick. People could have other issues. I mean, we don't know what's going on. We do know that Vincenzo Joseph um, will be there in the end. We would have loved to see it this time. Instead, we got to see Evan Wick versus um, uh, another world champ. Vincenzo's not world champ, but yeah, Mason Manville. Evan Wick was able to dispose of him 5-1. to one. Um I really would have loved to see Chenzo Wick, but I guess we're going to have to wait till uh, maybe the Big Tens or something to see that. That's the way it's looking. Um, all right, Ohio State was on the mat this weekend. They wrestled two duels. Yeah. Uh, they, they traveled out to Indiana, took on IU, and then they wrestled Michigan State at home today. Um, I believe they won 18 out of 20 matches wrestled this weekend. Great showing for them. They, they did decide to pull the red shirt of Malik Heinzman. We've... Heard it could happen all year long. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum in the past. Uh, we didn't feel he was ready for it. However, we completely, and I, I know I'm speaking for both of us, but I think I can say we completely um, both understand the rationale behind it and can get on board with this. What yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, no, I, I agree with you. They um, they pulled Heinzelman, and he's not ready. Right from a, and what does not ready mean? I mean, there's plenty of true freshmen that wrestle all the time, and what I mean is he's not ready to compete with the hot top level guys. Um, that was shown today against Rayvon Foley. But at the same time, look, uh, and I think I tweeted this out: if you're healthy and you you're the best guy on your team, why not wrestle? Because we've seen too many things. I mean, look at Keyshawn Hayes. You know, he red shirts and. I think there was somebody in front. There was somebody in front of him, but he red shirts, and then the next year he gets injured and doesn't get to wrestle. In the, um, the he's five and one and doesn't get to wrestle the rest of the year. So if you're healthy and ready to go, might as well wrestle because you never know if there could be issues of look by his fifth year, sixth year, he's like, dude, or fifth year, I'm I don't want to wrestle, man. Like it's just, or you just you know all of a sudden Tommy Thorne creeps in and like you know you're just not too interested in wrestling anymore, or you get injured next year. Guess what? You got a red shirt that you can um, uh, lean on. Or, I mean, let's be honest, at Ohio State, they have the ability to recruit, and they're going to recruit high-level kids. They're not going to stop recruiting 125, and they could bring in somebody that could that could take your spot. So when you're ready, uh, or excuse me, when you're healthy, wrestle, even if you're not ready. And uh, he, looked, he looked good. He got the only takedown against Elijah Oliver from Indiana, who's a three-time NCAA qualifier. So I think that probably shows you that Kinsleman's got a potential to be an NCAA qualifier. But when you're talking about top eight guys, like he wrestled Rayvon Foley today, Rayvon Foley put it to him. I mean, he put the screws to him. I think the final score was uh, um, 19-6. So I thought it was a nice win. For, you know, look, coming out of red shirt in his first match in the starting lineup, I thought it was a great win against Elijah Oliver on the road. Um, Rayvon Foley is on a different level right now. And I know Heinzelman got him this summer in freestyle, but look, freestyle and folk style are different animals and guys' preparation for out-of-season versus in-season right. and, and the college season is completely different as well. You talk about guys making jumps from freshman to sophomore years. Rayvon Foley is a guy who's made a huge jump. This guy right now, I think, is now after this win today, probably, I think, 21-1 and one with his only loss on the year to Nick Piccinini, okay? He has looked really good all year long, looking like a definite, definite podium candidate. He dismantled Drew Matten earlier in the season from Michigan by major. Um, you know, it just goes to show the type of improvement that he's made. Um, he beat a guy like Shakur Laney, you know, from Ohio, 7-4, to four, too. That's, a, that's another big win. Shakur Laney was on the verge of reaching the podium a couple of years ago at 125, right? Right. No. Yeah, yeah he's he, um, he a 12 guy. 
And did did Matten beat him last year? I know. No, I think I know he, Foley beat him. I think Foley beat him every time. Did he beat him every time? Yeah, I think that was one of the. No, no, he lost to Drew Matten by fall by pin at Cliff Keen, and um, and then Foley beat Matten in the duel. And I think he also beat him maybe Biggs or something. I, I thought that Foley had kind of turned the tables on him if he hadn't. For some reason, I thought he'd beat him every time. But either way, you're exactly right. Yeah, he beat him at Biggs, and he also beat him in the duel, but he got pinned by Matten at Cliff Keen. Okay. So, you know, here's a guy right now who one loss on the season and a wide-open 125-pound weight class outside the top few guys. Um, he's making jumps, dude. So today's loss, you know, Heinzelman losing to him, that's not a bad loss. Yeah, but I wanted some competition. It was not even competitive. No, and, and honestly, um, Heinzelman looked way undersized against Foley in this match. Oh, he's super small. Um, he got, he got taken down right away. I mean, it was like two. I think he got taken down within the first ten seconds, and then ridden for like an entire period and turned. Um, l- look, I, I I get what um Tom Ryan's doing by pulling Heinzelman's red shirt, and and I'm all for it. Sounds good to me. Um, but as Buckeyes fans, let's let's uh let's temper expectations and and hope that we can get out of the Big Ten tournament because you know I think Malik Heinzelman's a bubble qualifier right now. I, I'm not even sure I can call him a bubble qualifier, Ben. Well, he did beat Elijah Oliver, who's qualified three times. So that's a good point. You All know, right. so, so that's what I mean. I think he's a bubble. I think he's a bubble. He's a bubble guy. Um, one of the last things I want to bring up. I think Bloomsburg beat Edinburgh this weekend, right? Bloom did beat Edinburgh. Please tell me when the last time that's happened. I have no clue. I have no clue. I mean, honestly, has this happened recently? And maybe we're just not realizing. I don't recognizing think so, man. It? I mean, for any of our statistical nerds like us who are out there who actually have this stuff on hand or can do this research, we'll probably look it up after the pod. But yeah, tell us anyway. Let us know when's the last time Bloomsburg beat Edinburgh in a duel. Yeah, it, it, it's been a while. Because even when Bloom was good, like decent, producing all Americans, that was when Edinburgh was like getting like a trophy and um, you know um, had tons of. I can't. Look, I, I wrestled in the PSAC, and so both of those guys were in the PSAC, and it wasn't, it, it was never close. I mean, no, that, that's that's a that's a shock to me. So, um, is there anything else you want to touch on, man? Yeah, I want to talk about 174 for Ohio State. Oh, you're right. You want to talk about that for a minute? Let's do it. All right. So 174 for Ohio State is a little still unsettled. Tom Ryan said as much after Tayshan Campbell wrestled. Um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, Bullard, I think from uh, NC State. Yeah, Daniel Bullard. Daniel Bullard and beat him four to one. And Tom Ryan's statements afterwards were, "Look, nothing that Tayshan did in this match would make me think that he's the starter going forward, and nothing in this match would make me think that he wasn't the starter." Basically, that match did nothing in his favor, one way or another. Um, no, but and, he but he did wrestling against Indiana, so he wrestled, uh, you know, right. Shan Campbell two matches in a row, two duels in a row. So now for people, Cavassier. People are. Th- I don't think that's how you say it, but yeah. Um, so I, you know, people, you, you, I know, I know you for sure are starting to think, okay, maybe Campbell is the guy they're going to well, go. Especially with they're the sending him out today. They sent him out three in a row. I'm like, well, Campbell's the dude, right? Now, even though if you were watching the match, even though the uh, the TV said it was Tayshan Campbell, that was absolutely not Tayshan Campbell. I can promise you that. <laughs> we, we know that for a fact. Um, Ethan Smith goes out there and he gets his second decent, or second pretty good win of the season, and another pretty. It was dominating. Um, over, over Drew Hughes. Drew, Drew, Drew Hughes. Hughes. NCAA qualifier, a guy who'd beaten Campbell at the NCAA tournament when Campbell was at Pitt two years ago. When Campbell went 2-2 two and two at the NCAA tournament, Hughes beat him. I think Hughes actually was maybe around a 16 guy. Um, Hughes didn't wrestle. Maybe some of the reason why Hughes, people don't remember Hughes' name is because he wrestled as a freshman, I believe, and then didn't wrestle last year because he got his knee 
um, I think he tore his knee up. Yeah, so it was it was 2017 when um, Hughes actually wrestled five matches at the Nationals. Yeah, he went three and two. Three and two. The only guys he lost to was Logan Massa and Chad Walsh. Both both all Americans. All Americans. Come on, guys. And Drew Hughes is good. You know, had a nice win over Kylan Torres. Obviously, beat Shan Campbell that year as well. Last year, Kylan Torres from Northern Colorado. Correct. Yeah. Um, last year, season cut short due to injury. Um, I mean, he was having a rough start last year anyway. Well, I don't know. He lost to Quentin Ross, or I consider yeah, to yeah. be a, be a yeah. tough loss. But, you know, to your point, Ethan, Ethan Smith gets his, what we would consider, like, the second real quality win of the season for him. This one over Hughes, earlier in the season over Ryan Christensen from Wisconsin. He was ranked. Ethan Smith was ranked before Tayshon Campbell kept wrestling. Ethan Smith was ranked, I think, in the top 15. So, so what are you saying, Ben? I'm saying that who knows what's going on, but I tell you what, Ethan Smith beating Drew Hughes 9-3, to scoring points right out the gate, riding him tough, and, and um, not get, you know, just, just not giving up when he was down on bottom against a really tough leg rider, and, end up, I mean, beating him by six points, it's way more exciting than when you score two takedowns in the first period and then do nothing the rest of the match against Bullard. I want Ethan Smith to be our starter. Is that bad to say? What do you think? I mean, seriously. I don't know, man. Ethan Smith beat Reinhardt. Lionheart? Did you ever see that movie? That's a great movie. I've never seen Jean-Claude it. Van Damme. I mean, okay, who gives us the best chance to score points? Uh, okay. The guy that actually scores points in a wrestling match? If you're going to ask that question that way, that's one of those double-edged questions right there, okay? So who gives us the best chance to score points? I could answer that one way. I could say, well... Based off of what I've seen, I'm not expecting either one of them to score many points, if points at all, at Nationals. Um, I could answer it this way as well. I can say based off of what we've seen in the results at hand, Ethan Smith is showing this year that he has been able to secure victories over more quality opponents yep. than Campbell has. So that would tend to, uh, you know... Including beating Campbell at a tournament, not correct. a off. So that might, you know, give you thought that he gives us the better chance. I could also answer it this way. Ethan Smith has never been at yeah. Nationals. Campbell's, Campbell's been, been there, there multiple times. He's won four matches. He's won matches at the tournament. Yeah. So that, the experience, the veteran, the savviness right there... The fact that it's his last year to get the job done, and you know, how, you know that kind of that kind of fi- fires people up a little bit. You know, those three days in March that may may li- you know lend to the, towards the, to the argument towards Campbell that he gives us a better chance to score but, points. But does it does it make Ethan Smith better next year and the year after if he gets to go through the whole season this year and get to gets used to? Because Ethan Smith's qualifying would be my guess. I mean, based on the wins he's had, he's definitely a national qualifier level. Is it beneficial to get him there? You know, and, you know, wrestle the season, get some experience. So next year he, you know, can be more of a contributor versus the guy who's going to be gone next year. Yes. Well, then there you go. Ethan Smith, Tom Ryan, Ethan Smith should be your starter at 174. But if they're both even, do you send the guy to senior year, give him one more chance to get on the podium if they're both relatively even? Yeah, if Tayshan Campbell had a chance to get on the podium, I don't. There's nothing I saw this. That, there's nothing I've seen this year that gives me any sort of, um, any sort of belief that Tayshan Campbell's got a shot to get on the podium. All right, I'm man. sorry to say it, man. I mean, do you think he's got a shot? 
I mean, everybody's got a shot. But do you think it's, it's very unlikely? Based on results and what we've seen, the eyeball test this year, um, no, unfortunately, I, and I think we've discussed that, I don't think we've seen anything to say, yeah, this guy's got a legitimate chance outside of everyone has a chance to get on the podium type of shot. And I think Tom Ryan's comments supports that. Right. You know, exactly what you just said a bit ago. He didn't see anything that says he's not the starter. He didn't say anything that says he is the starter. That doesn't sound like a coach that's very confident that this guy's going to go out there and win matches exactly. and get on the podium at Nationals. Because if he thought that way, there wouldn't be a, it, it would not be in question right, right it, now. Yeah, it, I mean, it's mid-January. You know, the decision would already be made. And I tell you what, I think Ethan Smith just solidified that. I mean, it, there might still be a couple more, but Ethan Smith's, I think, in the driver's seat after that 9-3 to win where he was just constantly attacking against Drew Hughes. Um, but other than that, man, great freaking weekend of wrestling. Obviously, we can't touch it all, but, you know, we do our best. One final match. All right, I'm Just down. one final sure. match. Let's just comment on this because I didn't expect it to be Talk as to big – I don't want to call it a blowout, but as convincing as a win as it was, was Lujan and Labriola from Nebraska. Yeah. And Lujan kind of put it on him this weekend. Lujan. Was it 10-5? I think that's what it was. I yeah. think it was 10-5. to five. Yeah, Lujan, man. That dude's dangerous. Uh, I, I call him Lujan. I think it is Lujan. I mean, in fact, I know it is Lujan, but I'm going to keep calling him Lujan. Um, dude's going to throw you from any position. I just call him Lil John. <laughs> Um, you know, it's another, I think, experience type thing. I think Labriola is a redshirt freshman. Um, he's what, he's the type of guy that I think could get on the podium at 74. Okay. That's a different, it's a whole nother story. Is he favored to do it at this point? I don't know. I don't know what exactly what he's ranked, but, um, I, I think I see a high upside with him. I think Lujan finally will get it done and get on the podium for sure this year. I think that he's a big contender at that weight class. So, Ben, I'm going to ask you this since you actually have experience wrestling in college and um, at the D1 level. We're seeing quite a bit of a youth movement this year, okay? And we've talked about this in the past. A lot of freshmen or first-year starters, um, whether it be true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, in the starting lineups who came out firing out the gates, okay? Labriol is a guy that was like that. I'm going to use your boy Roman Bravo Young that was like RBY, that. Came yeah. out firing, scoring lots of bonus points. RBY lately, he's still winning matches, but their scores are a lot closer. Are are we seeing some of these guys hit that wall right now? Oh, look outside right now, man. We got what six inches of snow out there. Oh uh, yeah, at least it's cold. It's dark early, five o'clock. You wake up, it's dark. You go to class. You eat what little breakfast you can eat. You get your workout in. You go back to class. You go to practice. You freaking watch film. You talk to your coaches. You get your workout in. You get your you get your studying done, and you're in bed. You didn't see the daylight whatsoever, and you are cutting weight. You're traveling. You're making multi-weeks making weight, and all that plus school, and you're a true freshman or even a redshirt freshman. Man, it's the dog days of winter, and – yeah, it can wear on you big time. Uh, my thoughts exactly, man. I think uh, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think we're seeing some of these guys who it's it's a long season as it is. Long. We talk about it every year. The 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 college wrestling season is substantially longer than probably what it should be. And for some of these guys who are either true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, making their first year wrestling a complete season in the starting lineup, we probably are seeing them hit a bit of a wall right now. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how their coaches and themselves get through this and what we see from them come at conference tourneys in the national tournament time. 
You know, I, I agree with you, man. And, and that's why I don't get mad if a wrestler sits out a dual meet. You know, you don't want to, like, sit out Vincenzo versus Wick unless you got a reason to, right? You, but, I mean, I get why I get why Vincenzo didn't weigh in or re- wrestle against Northwestern. I mean, like, dude, and I, I'm just using this as an example, making weight all the time, you know, when you got physics exams and, you know, your your knees all banged up and your shoulders banged up. Dude, you know, th- these guys need some breaks in these long seasons. So it's going to catch up to you. But you know what we always do see in March? The snow starts to melt. The days start to get a little longer. And I tell you what, everybody's happy and the wrestling's on fire. So There you have it. I love it. All right, you got anything else for him today? Nah, man, I'm good. All right, I'm good as well. Episode number 74 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast is in the books. We hope you like it. If you didn't, tell us why. As always, don't wind up on your back, bro. That was a weak bro. Sorry.